Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to Lighthearted Dads, episode 10. MashaAllah. It's been a ride. A lot of things have come out, a lot of gems, a lot of um, uh, controversial. controversial stuff that's come out. Alhamdulillah, I've learned a lot from Brother Nuri. And um, by all means, it's been a pleasure so far. Alhamdulillah. No, I think. Uh, it's good, you know. A lot of people have asked, like you know, about the podcast in itself, you know, um, and some people are giving their feedback and the criticisms and the recommendations. It's I bet one record. of them was like, "Get rid of that guy." Well, sack him, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was it? Report, report you or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that. That was interesting. Yeah, report, report me to who? To who? <laughs> mm, the podcast commission. <laughs> That'd be funny, yeah. But um, that was interesting one, anyway. But you know, you get a lot of. Um, points and I, and and I say that you know the whole aim of it is really is um just just to have those discussions and through discussions there's so much we can learn and actually unpick and I always say I say I'm sure you realize it by now but me and Noor are just real opposites though there are many areas yeah. that there may be some synergy in terms of likes and dislikes but um but in terms of who we are our, our backgrounds uh family history all of those kind of things we're real opposites and that that really complements i think alhamdulillah yeah honestly bro like um i can't tell you how much you benefited me already alhamdulillah and mm-hmm. uh, to say that look I'm, I'm a person who swears you don't i'm a person who doesn't read you read i'm a person who doesn't have that much patience you have six kids so you've got super patience um you've alhamdulillah man you've had successful um, stuff that you've done And you know May Allah Keep it going inshallah And I mm. could learn so much From from those stuff You know It's like I don't want to go too much Into details as to what Success stories that you've had um, You're a cancer survivor You're a strong man man Alhamdulillah May Allah preserve you bro man I was saying that The mm. other, other day to my, one of my friends actually And um, I said to him How much do you know About my co-host um, And he's like Obviously like He was just saying Who is this guy Whatever etc I don't know in a bad way, just generally mm. asking and stuff like that. I said, SubhanAllah, man. I don't want to say what I said to him, uh, to you directly, but he knows what I said to him. And he was like, no way. You don't look it. I said, that's it. Me, I look it. Him, he doesn't look it. He's the, he, it's funny. He's the <laughs> boss that's driving around in a Honda. <laughs> I'm the guy who's driving around in a Merc. Yeah, and with a real opposite. Do you get it? I'm, I'm like it's living. Not, it's not a Honda, by the way. Yeah, I know. I, I know it's not a Honda. I'm, I, I don't, I don't even drive a Merc. So I'm just saying, you know, it's just weird. I saw you come here in a Merc, though. No, that's my mate's car. No. Yeah, yeah, that's not mine. No, 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 no. Chauffeur driven. You get me. Oh, Born to be driven, but hey, what can I say? Well, alhamdulillah. I think um, we just before we started, I know we were in discussion. I think it's um, <clears throat> important thing just to talk about. It's just generally. Um, May seem hypocritical coming from me, but talking about health. <laughs> <laughs> for both of us, but both, both, you know, yeah. uh, I've lost myself, man. Yeah, no, I think uh, along the way, it's just like uh, a cliche. And, uh, you know, We should have got Brother ones. Monza for the show, innit? Oof, yeah, he's listening for sure. He always does. Yeah. I, I sh- should I just give him a call? Say, like, yo, I need <laughs> you on the show. I we'll get, get you on. Yeah. We'll talk about fitness tips, but what I wanted to kind of 
kind of really talk about um, was, and I know you alluded to it a few times anyway, but just, um, and, I, and I speak to a lot of brothers about this as well, is is being conscious of health. Uh, and I'm not talking about the fitness side of it and other things, because, you know, men, especially, it's like in their nature, it seems like, to kind of not seek help, you mm. know. And, and that's on a lot of things. This is the experience I see. And you tend to see it in some psychology, even with teachers, they tend to say it within kids, boys and girls. Uh, girls, the moment they get stuck, they automatically put their hand up. They seek help. They seek uh, to get clarification and whatever it is. But boys, they'll try everything. And as a last resort, they'll seek help. And I've seen that a lot, even with parenting, um, that fathers will try everything. And as a last resort, if they, so I know a lot of the times, sometimes when the fathers have called me or spoken to them, a lot of the t- some of them, it's been for them, it's, it's a last resort. Like they tried everything, they couldn't do everything, and they've come now. Um, whereas mothers, a lot to, um, t- tend to be more forthcoming and straight away. Problem comes, okay, let me go and seek some help. Let me go and find somebody who may know answers and, and can support me and so on. And a similar thing with health, um, which is, and I know that because I suffered from that, which was, uh, I wouldn't seek medical help for anything that happened. Like some, you know, sometimes something ha- happened in your health and you a bit of question mark. Um, I would think, nah, it's probably this, no, it's probably that, oh, it'll pass away, it'll go away. And you have some logical explanations along the way for a lot of things. Um, and then it's only when something's okay, really serious, something really unexplainable, something like as a last minute thing, then you've gone in, like, okay, right, let me get this checked out. Sometimes it can be um, something quite serious. And, you know, today might not be necessarily a very lighthearted dad session, but um, it's interesting because I'm coming close to now. Uh, well, actually, I did an appointment today um, with the hospital uh, just because I have regular checkups because after my cancer, and it's one of the things that I do feel is important for you know, fathers to be aware of because there's many different types of health issues. So I'm just talking from my specific experience, but I know other people have many other experiences, and a lot of them are in and around bowel-related illnesses. As well. mm. and I'm seeing a big rise in that, and a lot of the time it's to do with our food and dietary habits. So yeah. it's just, you know, just that's, that's also a discussion point in itself. But the other side is that for me, you know, when I was the age of 30 was basically when I got diagnosed with cancer. Obviously, that's young. You know, I know there's cases generally you can get sometimes younger, but generally speaking, cancer is usually something that's for people who are older or it's usually diagnosed in older people. So I was young and um, it was something that came about completely unexpected um <clears throat> and it was just basically i had um bleeding i went to the toilet and it was a lot of blood was just totally unexplainable um and the funny thing was when i reflect back at it i realized there were actually signs of it maybe a year earlier than that where there was some blood as well but i had kind of thought okay maybe it's to do with hemorrhoids or something else you know mm. it makes an explanation any, pa- any past and it was okay i'm no problem but then i realized be, uh, that actually this was most likely linked to to this episode because it was like a massive amount of blood, you know, um, and it was just pure like, dark red blood. So after going to the doctor, even the doctors they didn't really even pay attention. Therefore, no, nah, you didn't fit any of the markers. I had no other symptoms, um, typical symptoms that you would have of cancer, um, and my age didn't fit the bill. So they said, okay, fine, uh, we'll do some tests. There's some tests, tested, come back inconclusive. And then they said, oh, you know, that's it really. And I said, you know, I'd like to, at this point now, I'm, I'm 
curious. I like I like to know what the answer was, even if it was something that's passed. I would like to try and find out okay, what was it. Then you know, I'm I'm curious, you know. So I, I pushed them to say, look, can you at least you know try and do this? Okay, fine. They referred me to the hospital. It took six months for a referral to come through. Six months. Six months, and then when I saw the doctor there, did you bleed in between? No, the thing was interesting enough. That was it. The episode of bleeding was like within twenty four hours. Yeah, okay. and it stopped. So even when it passed, I was not so worried about it. Uh, my wife, I know, who will be listening to this. You know, <laughs> I always used to joke at that time. Yeah, yeah, I'm dying. I've got cancer. You know, I, I would say those things. She gets annoyed when I say that because she goes, "It's like when I said it, it became true." So it's like, don't ever like uh, call it upon yourself. But um, then you know, what, you know Bengali saying, "Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's like that thing. You say it happens, and you say you're calling mm. it. Um, <clears throat> but six months passed. I saw the doc- that doctor in the hospital. He even just said, "Ah, it's probably nothing." He passed it off as well, and he was seeing now a slow rise in a lot of Asian men getting colitis or Crohn's. So these are the inflammation of the bowels that are causing chronic pains. And I know, you know, so many people. I just talked to another brother today talking about his wife, and then another brother, another person talking about his own condition. So there's so many people I know that have got these kind of health bowel-related conditions. So they thought it might be something related to that, possibly. It took another couple of months before I got a colonoscopy where they put a camera inside. And I saw the notes, they were actually looking for Crohn's or, or something along those lines. So it was it was a surprise, it's taken a long period of time. Before, when once they did, they said, oh, right, they found something very large, basically. It's, it's, they call it a polyp at the time, uh, abnormal growth, um, which could be a tumour, which may not be, and so on. So it was at that point... So just to stop you there, yeah? And I'm, I'm, I'm picturing it. So in that time, you had no pains... No like abdominals, like issues or toilet issues or bowel issues, yeah. anything like that. Basically, normally you have signs of stuff like tiredness, uh, un- unexplained loss of weight, mm. yeah, um, yeah, constipation, um, and there's a pain is obviously another one. Now, interesting thing was was when I did go to the doctor in the hospital, he examined my stomach, and when you press down on my right side, wow, it's painful. So then he said, I said, what was that? And he said, it could be anything. It could be you know, muscle. It could be something else, yeah? <laughs> muscle, but, yeah. You sorry. Know, not, you know, muscle pain. So muscle strain. No, not muscle, but yeah, okay. It's my abs. <laughs> you see my one pack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it could be something like that. Um, and to be honest, like, when's the last time you sit there and you kind of poke your stomach? You don't really, like, do that unless somebody else pokes it for you. Yeah. Even then, it's not. A, it's just a poke. It's not like a, a press down. So later on, obviously, I realized that was actually the tumor that you pressed on. And that's why it was very oh, painful. Um, and then once I had the thing they they saw that and now I, like it was a very tough time because once they said it could be it could be cancer, yeah, they said that be. at that time they said it could be tumor it may not be. Mm. I've done a biopsy within two weeks I'll have an appointment and I'll get the results. Those two weeks were long because in those two weeks, you know your thought process goes from it could have be life ending something yeah the worst case yeah. Like, that's it, I'm going to die. Or it could be ears cancer. I mean, it could be ears cancer, and then from there, there's a spectrum. Where are you on that spectrum? Is it something that's going to completely change your life? Is it going to be something simple? Is it going to be require surgery or not? I mean, uh, chemo or not? And all of those things. Or it could be something in your life. Or it could be maybe nothing. It's just uh, non, non-cancerous. non mm. So it's a, it's a tough two weeks. But uh, I remember just before, literally the night before I had to go into the hospital, it was almost like some sort of yaqeen came down like some sort of knowledge that I knew that for certainty yeah it was cancer so, so I was actually the night before it was like 
it became almost like clear, almost like a revelation. Like, you know, something just in your mind. Yeah. That, that's it. Yeah, it's cancer. Your heart and your mind accepted yeah. it. Like, so I knew just, it was yeah. going to be. So when I went in the next day, when they said it, it was just like, didn't waver me because, oh, well, I expected it. You know, it's coming. So I settled on that. Obviously, it was. You quite settled on the news that you got cancer and you was not moved and you accepted it just the day before. Yeah, the day before. Even then, like you surely had a hope that it isn't, and it, your heart must have sunk. No, no, for me it didn't. It was just like, um, it was just when from you a know, love. yeah. When you know something, like let's give an example. Like um, it's still very difficult. Like imagine you went to an exam, and you did really bad. You know you did bad. You're expecting a bad grade, and you go and get a bad grade. It's not really a surprise for you. But that scene. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to bring some sort of analogy to it. It's, it's difficult, but it's just I feel like I knew. So when they told me, it did, I didn't flinch. The heart didn't sink. It wasn't that. It was just like, okay. Um, and then what they started doing was they're throwing all these words. Like, okay, you know, we've got to check it out. We saw the scans. You know, it's, it seems like your lymph, lymph nodes are... I'm like, what's lymph nodes? First time I heard of that word. You know, um, you know what those were. It looks like, you know, it could have been spread around. So it's very mm. difficult from the scans to, to notice. So it looked like, yeah, it's spread and, you know, not just located in one area. And then they're saying, look, look, you take up to, you know, uh, months to have an operation. And so it was like, okay, right. Look. But what it was is when they tell you, it's like, and then they give you all this information. It's like an overload of information. That was hard to like, okay, right. I'm lost. Like imagine somebody coming in, tick, telling you all this, I don't know how you, how you were tech, but imagine they could drop all this tech jargon. You're like, well, all these words are getting thrown there. You're like, okay, right. I'm a bit dazzled. Like, don't know what that's about. But, you know, it was hard on the family. Obviously, the, my wife, obviously, it was hard for her um, to hear that because she'll have hope it wasn't. And actually, you'll have hope for the best outcome. Um, but I guess that yakin that came, that certainty helped because that just helped me stabilize the family as well. So I remember telling mum, uh, my brother, call my brother sister around as well. That's, and, you know, I, I, we just, I just told them that's what it was. And it was fine. You know, I was all right. And because, you know, alhamdulillah, that, that feeling was there and I was okay, it just allowed to stabilize the family. Because, you know, you're the head of the family. And if you become rocky, then everything can become rocky. Yeah. So, alhamdulillah, you know, everything was planned. I look back at it, it was done well. You know, Allah planned it. Alhamdulillah, within a few, couple of weeks, I actually got surgery then. So the diagnosis, within, I think within three weeks, I got surgery date. That was really quick. Uh, alhamdulillah, I had surgery, had half my colon removed. Um, so, yeah. You're going too fast. You're going, uh, sorry, I moved this so that I can see your face. Yeah. Because I'm just like literally going into my mic and I can, I'm just conscious yeah. that my face is not showing and <laughs> all that stuff. But look, I've got a couple of questions. Um, but if uh, I just quickly jump through, then we can we can go back in the question. But no, 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 no. It's it's it's, it's, it's okay. No, no, it's on, so on. intriguing and it's so like I don't want to take you, over the whole thing. But no, no, <laughs> it, it's good because what it is, uh, we'll go into like bowels and stuff like that in a bit mm. and how like being healthy and stuff like that. Helps, yeah, but I, I, I just want to emphasize on your story because I've never heard it like this. Mm. Do you get it? Yeah, and um, I, I think for myself and the audience, um, where we are in a stage where we've had episodes of bleeding or some sort of like stomach pain or sharp pains, or I've had those, you know, mm. and I ignored it. So, you could potentially give us some gems that to look out for. Like you're just skipping doesn't make okay, sense so yeah, like yeah. so right, cool. no like like you know that period of your wife knowing your you knowing the kids knowing your family knowing 
um, I just want to go a bit more into that. Mm. How was the vibe? How was the like? Was it like like game mode? Look, this could potentially happen. The worst case scenario, um, everyone needs to buckle up. Let's go through this ride together. Or was it once like your wife was really emotional? Um, she lost like hope or whatever. It could be anything, bro. Um, your kids were like very emotional. Or were they strong? How did they react? How did you deal with it? Mm -hmm. um, your mum and your brothers, sorry, your, your sister, siblings. Yeah. Tell me a bit more about that. Because look, I don't yeah. want to go straight to the operation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So basically, the the moment um, I told you, Alhamdulillah, Allah helped very much through that process. The interesting thing is, the night before, I went in to find out and I was told it was cancer. Um, me and my wife find out that my wife was pregnant. Subhanallah. Yeah, so this is now going to be our sixth child, this is the last one. Um, and there, so it's like, okay, elation. Yeah. Next day, you can see obviously emotions in the family obviously come down. Mm. Um, and normally we never, and you know, normally we never tell family until a few months before, after that, you know, the pregnancy. If we know early, you know, from mm. the experience before, it's just, it's always, I feel, it's better just, okay, we keep it in the house. And then I tell my siblings, and maybe after two, three months, you know, just, just because obviously things can happen in the early stages of pregnancy. Um, and so the, the first time was like the next day when my brother and sister, everybody came around. I, I called them around when I knew the resu results were. So I called my sister. I said, look, I, I can't pick you up. She was in the car. Called my brother. I said, oh, we need to pop around. He was, I think, at work or something, but he, he worked locally at the time. So we came around. Um, and then the fact is, obviously, because I call every run, I think everybody anticipated that, look, I want to give them obviously. Then I said, look, I don't want to repeat the story. Tell you once, it's, it's easier. So obviously, when I told them, obviously, that had an impact on, especially the female members of the house. So, <coughs> sister, my, um, uh, my wife, because my wife already knew, because obviously, we we're walking kind of, remember from the hospital walking to the car, she's obviously breaking down. You know, it, it has its impact because when they tell you got cancer, it's, it's almost like a death sentence, isn't it? It's like as if you're gonna die. So it has this, it has its impact. Um, but alhamdulillah, I was okay. I was like. I was one with it, at one, you know, with it. So it didn't move me. Could be that it just takes time to settle in. But it didn't move me. So coming home, it was okay. You know, when I told them, obviously it was hard. I was, and then I was telling them, look, all of these things, these are the, this is what they told me, this is what they told me. <clears throat> I remember my brother was on the phone to his friend, as a doctor at the Roland, and saying, this and this, like, you know, they're telling him it could be up to six months to get operations. There's no way of trying to push it up and stuff like that. He said, look, I'll inquire, find out what, you know, What's going on and whatnot? Alhamdulillah, you know, I don't know if that had an impact or not, but I got an operation within you know, three weeks. That's really quick, you know. Alhamdulillah. You know, so that came it must quick. have been that serious, though, <coughs> then, that for them to push it that forward. Um, what they obviously, um, I only got the full explanation of the cancer after the operation. So, I, you know, if I want to go into storytelling, then that comes a bit later. Actually, what, what was the state of it? But they had said at the time, my lymph nodes. And for those who don't know, lymph nodes, you you have them around your neck, your kind of armpit area. Um, around your abdomen and your groin area and they're the stuff that fights your infections um, and that's why a lot of the times you know when your glands get swollen they're like part of your like, lymph nodes that are fighting the bacterial infection in your body so it's your defense system but what tends to happen a lot of the times with cancers when they burst out they can go and penetrate into the lymph nodes and when they do it's, a connect, it's like a railway so it can spread phew, everywhere and so it can go to other organs so that's why it's quite serious if it's already in your lymph node. There's a chance that at the stage of the cancer, you could have spread. So the time the scans showed the, the 
cancer inside the tumor and the lymph nodes were all inflamed so it's hard to tell now by you know chance that it's spread so you're waiting on that thinking okay right this is the situation they're gonna they said they're gonna have a surgery for me it will be basically they remove half of my colon uh, and they remove all the lymph nodes down below which is like i think 20 something of lymph nodes that they said they're going to remove um and you know and then after that uh, they'll they'll do the biopsy properly of the tumor and then decide what's next do i need chemo or not and all of those things so that was the state of play um so now in the time between me and the surgery it was a lot of reflection because i don't know because you have to you know after i was real i prepared for the worst i thought okay this situation you told you i get cancer what the state of it is so naturally it reminds you of death and it's a sad sad state that it took something like that just to remind you because it's not like i wasn't because all these years you know you know i'm conscious of allah i'm practicing as best as possible religion and all of these things but even in all of that you know our day-to-day life we know we pray we do all things but sometimes we're just heedless of death and it's not on the forefront of our mind uh, or it's not regularly remembered about and that has its impact and it took something like this just to recalibrate everything again and then think about it and so obviously there's a lot of um, reflection a lot of muhasaba a lot of uh, dua connection you know all of these things were taking place and once i got a date for surgery then it's obviously like a build up towards it towards it so then i always had to tell the kids and the kids were quite young right? so my eldest was what what old was he he was ten. in year five, I think. Ten. Yeah, yeah, it would have been ten. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Quick maths. Yeah, mashallah, that's good. So I think he was in year five. Yeah, he was in year five. So that's that's where he was at the time, and um, you know, so you know, he would ex- understand a bit more. The young ones obviously won't understand anything. Just not okay, get sick or, or not well. But it's also at the same time is uh, you're going to a quite a big surgery. It's going to be a number of hours. There can be complications and stuff. So I was thinking mentally, you know, I had to prepare myself, okay, you know, whenever you put under, it's like sleep as well. You go to sleep, you may never wake up. You know, so it's, you have, you, I made my preparations in those in that sense. Um, that say I didn't wake up, so I had to do everything. You know, I did my will and I did all, all other bits as well. Um, preparing the family, making sure my wife knew where everything was that's required if, if anything was to happen, you know, just because just obviously I dealt with most of the household affairs. And I think that had a massive change because the way our dynamic in the house was, I dealt with everything. My wife didn't really bother. I dealt with everything. And then it was after the cancer that we rechanged it all because it was that case of, you know, something, you know, that's not really good. Like I'll give you an example. My dad passed away. He used to deal with everything. So it was a big shock on my mum. She's like, God, what do I do? Like with everything, you know, even small things like bills and banks and this and that. 100%. Yeah. And so then basically... It was only after the cancer we managed to rejig how our family structure was. Before I dealt with it, it was just a thing of, oh, look, I'll deal with it. You know, no, no, no need. But you realize, what if I was to pass away? What would then she do? She would you know, have no knowledge of anything. Mm. So, you know, obviously we readjusted all of that afterwards. Yeah. Now, it's interesting you say that because literally uh, a week ago, I spoke to my wife and I said, um, do you know where my investments are? And she goes, what investments? I said, subhanAllah. And I said, like, I've got some investments um and i mentioned it and i said to her if even pension bro like i keep getting letters for my pensions and alhamdulillah like obviously in the banking industry they like, heavily invest in pension funds and stuff and they give you huge chunks and i said to her look you know you've got right for this and i read the um on my pension and it says you know um you know you can add people 
if something was to happen to you because I'm still entitled for that money mm. to get it. Even if I pass away now, someone's entitled to pick up that fund mm-hmm. uh, for me at a certain age. I prefer that to be my son. Does that make sense? Inshallah, he's in a good place and state of good iman and that he does well, good with that money. Does that make sense? So mm. I'm like thinking, hang on, this is a huge chunk that's gonna my wife doesn't know about. Um, even like my other investments that I have, she doesn't know nothing about. And I said, look, you're a mother of my, um, my son and whatever happens, you know, I want you to have this, mm. to get it. Um, and obviously I said to her, like, if I was to ever die, what she should do and what not, etc. Because I don't ever want my son to be without a father. And these are the conversations that I've had with her. And we'll get into that later, yeah. Mm. But um, but it's funny you say that. But also, please, uh, when you carry on, just mention how um, the men or the son felt. I, I want to really bring that out. Because mm. we, like, men usually suffer in silence and they don't show the emotion. Is this something that your brother did or your son did at this age? Mm. So just bring that in within your... Yeah, you know, even for me, look, without doubt, I, I'm the person who's always been just reserved. And even emotional stuff, it's sharing isn't by nature or my default position. You know, this is not how I'm built. You know, everybody's different. You know, they talk about introverts, extroverts, and you talk about these kind of different personality types. So my personality type is, is, is that kind. So even if anything was going through, something, you know, I'll deal with, I'll, I'll manage and... And I don't know, it felt like obviously I needed to just just ride it because I've got a family, I've got a young family. You yeah. know, five kids, six, one, vice pregnant. So obviously that was also another thought, which is like, you know, um, you know, I've got an unborn child, you know. So a lot of thoughts will go through your mind. You know, I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to go through so many different um, thoughts in your head. But it's just that reliance on Allah that, you know, and there's so much stuff I read and so much comfort I found within a lot of Quran and, and Hadith and, and and a lot of reading that benefited. And one of the ones that really did help comfort me a lot was um, uh, in Surah Al-Kahf, um, where he talks about the story of uh, Musa on the, journey, on the journey with um, Khidr. 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 That, uh, there was that bit where the, um, where the, about the rebuilding of the wall of the orphans. Yeah. yeah. And the reason what was mentioned at that time was that it says um, that Allah protected and looked after the orphans and the wealth of the orphans. And he sent a man from a faraway land, effectively, to come and still basically protect that wealth of the orphans yeah, mm. by rebuilding their wall. Because if it had fallen, then obviously it would expose the um, the uh, inheritance you could say, that was left for the orphans. That And the reason why that happened was because their it says here their father, but it doesn't refer to father. Some even say the grandfather, yeah, it was who? Righteous. So then that was the one that if you are righteous, don't worry about your children. Allah will protect them. Mm. You do your bit without doubt. But if you are righteous, Allah will protect your children. And that gave a lot of comfort, a source of comfort that I need to fix myself and to focus on myself in terms of my development, my relationship with Allah. And that will be protection because to be honest, as a the biggest thing throughout all of this, nothing was wavered. The thing I found the hardest was to know the possibility of my children growing up without me. Yeah. And the young children who need, you know, you, you know, children, you know, you, you feel like they need the father, you know, and I know the importance of the father and all of those things. 
So that was always the hardest. The whole thing, the thing that just shook me was about the fact of thinking, I've got five young kids, I've got another one who's unborn. And, um, you know, what's, what's going to happen? You know, so that, that really um, was the hardest <coughs> um, point uh, for me to kind of get over. So even before going to surgery, you know, it's emotional, you know, especially when you're saying goodbye to the kids, you're going to go into surgery. I don't know what the next outcomes are, what the next steps are. Um, so that was obviously a difficult part. You know, when I told my son, um, it affected him. I remember he went to school, he was in the Mizan there, the Islamic school. ELM, ELM, yeah. And he was telling his teacher, saying, oh, okay, make dua for my dad. He's, you know, and he understood a bit more about cancer. So he did, he did, it did impact him. You know, um, He was emotional in that process. Um, he impacted my daughter. And she was in what, year three at the time, yeah. And I thought, okay, she doesn't fully understand anything. She's seven years old. But you know, later when I did my studies in child psychology, and they talk they about, understand. and they talk about death, and they talk about impact and trauma. What was clear was what happened to my daughter was children when they go through difficulty and trauma, there's different ways they might they might become more angry, more troublesome. Um, older kids could get into a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, they can become rebellious. Um, sometimes they can regress and certain things. They start wet in the bed again. They could start dropping in their educational studies and go backwards and stuff. One of the things that happened to my daughter was she was going up, up, up in her studies, and she started to fall back, mm. and she was basically not making progress. And it was only after I realized, because I did my studies after um, the cancer, was um, that actually when you reflect back, okay, that was the impact of the cancer because as I was going through that, it was actually having an impact on her. And so it does have an impact on children, and they do, they sense death. They sense, obviously this wasn't death, but they sense, um, you know, the emotions of the parent, especially of the mother, for younger children. And they look at it in the mirror and they realize, okay, something's not right. And so um, it does have its impact. And so, you know, the benefit I had was being me being as strong as possible actually helped through the process. Um. And it's true, men don't speak. I mean, and I know, you know, I, to be honest, I didn't speak. And at that time, you know, whoever I spoke to, they knew about my cancer. Nothing they said could comfort me. Because you can only imagine. So I'll give an example is Imagine you talk to your wife And she's going through her pregnancy and labour And you're like Yeah yeah I feel you Don't worry Can you really feel her? You no. wouldn't Because we can't, we, men can't feel it at all Because they never go through it But women can resonate with women Who go through labour isn't it? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a similar example like Unless you walk the same path It's very hard to resonate So no matter how much you're saying It's, it's good words And without doubt it's good intention I'm not denying all of that But to to kind of give that comfort and ease is not the same thing. And in fact, throughout my whole journey, I didn't find any comfort until after my cancer had finished. And I met with a brother who um, sadly has passed away now. Um, and <clears throat> and he, at that time, was also in remission like I was. And when speaking to him, I was introduced to him with some other brothers who obviously know me and know him. He had the same exact cancer same exact location, same exact um, surgery, same exact chemotherapy medication. Um, age was 30 as well, if I'm correct, when he he's cancer. And he's, I think he was about a year older than me or so. Um, same time, everything. Yeah, everything was just so similar. And when we spoke to each other, it Family was like... Kids? 
he had two young kids. I think three, two young kids. I think had another one afterwards. So he had three young kids altogether. Um, and it was just the case of, it was it was like uh, you know it was so good to talk to him. Do you know why? Because he knew what I felt, and I knew what he felt. And you know, there's a connection in in that, and there's yeah. a comfort in that. And it's funny because when I spoke to him and I heard his story, I thought, "Wow, you had it worse than me, bro." Because you know, talking about the experience. And then I said, "Alhamdulillah, you know, Mahan was good compared to yours." And do you know what he was saying? He was saying, "Wow, you had it worse than me." Alhamdulillah, Mahan was it wasn't bad as yours. So it's funny that we looked at each other's scenario, thinking their one was harder. Alhamdulillah, Allah gave us an easier time, and vice versa. But it was been, but. You know, the thing with his story, and I'm jumping really forward, but then I heard that his cancer came back and there was no hope. That really affected me. Re- that one really affected me. Then he passed away, it really impacted me. And I didn't know the brother that well, meaning we met and I spoke a few times on the phone and stuff like that. And he did because, it's, you know, you've treaded a similar journey and then it's, I guess there's, there's an element of trauma from before. You know, that's my cancer. You know, they say in. like when people <clears throat> meet for the sake of Allah, um, you have a different sort of love for these people. It, it's just like I'm not one to say it is a blessing, but seems like a blessing that you've you know put your life in perspective and in order, and you know what you want, and it's just hit reality. And since then, you've made massive impact to the community and society. Um. And you know, people far reach, bro, are benefiting from your your education, your researches, and you you know, Alhamdulillah, bro. Like I can't tell you how proud I feel or how happy I am that Allah has preserved you and you are here today, man. Subhanallah, like may Allah bless you, bro, man. Amen, amen. And you know, um, and and the brother, I I really really hope that. He's in a good place. Allah has purified his, uh, you know, his soul, and um, you know, uh, the illness, the cancer, is a form of purification for him. And you know, I, bro, like I, I totally understand. Like when I speak to someone going through divorce, like, I can relate to them. No one else can relate to me, or I, they can speak to me because I, I understand. So I, I can only imagine. Like that friendship, that relationship we had with him And not having him today to even talk about it And that constant worry of What if But know that bro, we know And we see it Allah gave you this opportunity because Look at what you're doing man, subhanAllah You know, and this is why I got involved with you bro And I'm telling you the truth This is why I got involved with you I was like, nah man Like the only way I'll attain Jannah is by learning from brothers like like within our jama. I don't want to say anyone directly, but within our jama. And um and you know, I'll and we really need to um educate and reform society. And this is what you're doing, bro. And I thought like I need to jump with that bandwagon. I need to find a way to Jannah man, whichever way it is. Alhamdulillah bro man, involve fathers or your RSE staff and you know, your charity stuff and even your presence, bro, and your um, aura. SubhanAllah, man. Allah bless you, bro, man. I mean, but you're just saying too much. <laughs> um, you know, uh, one of the things that um, after the whole cancer episode and everything else, 
was um, one of the hadith that really uh, I reflected on. Do you know certain hadith, certain statements just have a bigger impact at a certain moment in time in your life? And um, that one was about, uh, you know, the hadith where, you know, all of, all of the deeds of, of man ends when they die, except for three. And it was, you know, the righteous child who continues to make dua for you. Sadhkajariya, the knowledge you leave behind. And all of these were talking about what legacy, isn't it? Yeah. What's your What's your legacy? And the way I'm thinking of it is, you know, you know, such a sinner, and like, whatever I do, you know, will that even be enough? And you know, how can I, you know, try to have longevity in the deeds that I I keep on accumulating? That's what really shaped and forced me towards suffering. That's why I even got involved fathers. What was it? You know, the focus was yes, because um, I realized that, you know, there's people who need help and all of those things. <clears throat> but also, that's something to leave behind for my children. So I, I grow up, or well, I pass away, and I have a child, a righteous child, who's there to make dua for me as I'm in the grave. The work that I can do to leave that knowledge behind. And even that in itself is, is a sadqa jari as well. And what you leave behind is a, an ongoing work. And so that's why I've tried to, you know, uh, you know, the focus has been whatever you try to do afterwards is to is to do that, is that legacy. And I say you don't need to have cancer, you don't have to go through something difficult to think like that. <coughs> but what you need is, that's what we need to be. We need to be, we need to be akhirah driven. Mm. And you think, okay, What's the best deeds that we can do to try and attain Jannah? And then at the same time, what can I do that while I'm in the grave to still kind of build, get that reward, still keep it, still keep the you know books piling up, you know the the account filling up. Sorry. So then on the day of judgment, it might be that eventually that one deed that I did, it could be that one parent I helped. That because of that, or because of the dua, or all of those things that. You enter the genre, so you can never belittle anything. You can never belittle any little kindness and, and help that you can give to someone. Um, and that's why, you know, it becomes so important, you know. So that had an impact on me. So it was one of those things where I was quite clear. Look, I want to really focus on, okay, what can I do, you know, that that serves others, that helps others, that can create a longer-lasting um, legacy. And, and that's what that would be one of the advice I always give to people. I say, look, Think you know, thinking obviously do the work now as well to obviously build your deeds, but think also of that longevity of your deeds. Mm. Can you continue? A lot of time we think of satkaja as just building a well. Mm. Yeah, that that is a form of ramashti. Then those ongoing things. There's so much more. Satkaja is things that you're leaving behind mm. that continue to benefit others. Mm-hmm. That is also you know satkaja as well. So I, I want to get to a point where you know you are just about to go into your operation. You've after your operation, and then the impact it has in your life. Very briefly, anyway, mm. doesn't have to be in details. Um, and then moving on to where where it got to you today. Just before that, and I don't want to forget, there is a terminology called brag, and I learned this in a, a retreat, and uh, it's called brag. B H A G, yeah. Bag. It's like bar, bag. I don't know. B H A G. Bag, brag, or something. Brag, something yeah. like that. Brag. Uh, let's just stick to that. <laughs> um, 
and uh, it, it was very interesting because the host said, um, "What is um, your purpose in life?" And majority of us um, said, "You know, to have a house, to have a good car, to have family, roof, food on the plate, and stuff like that." And uh, you know, he was shocked by the answer. He's very articulated, very smart, been there, done that, you know, way ahead of the game. And uh, he goes, wow. And especially for Muslims, you're saying, whoa. You know, some people say, yeah, my dream is to attain Jannah, mm. etc. Well, which is good answers. Um, but, you know, majority said survival. It sounds like I need to survive. I need my family to survive. And he turned it around, but he said it in a very nice way. He goes, did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send you to this dunya just to survive? It's like, whoa, that's that's mad. Like, and then all of our mind changed. I was like, we're like whoa, like we, we just gave the wrong answer. And he goes, did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just send you to this dunya to survive? To have a house, whatever, etc. Yeah, by all means, these are necessity stuff, yeah. If you can't go beyond that, then that's what it is, yeah. And you're at that stage. But he was saying... In life, have that big, hairy, audacious gold. Okay. Yeah. Have it. Yeah. Your big, hairy, audacious gold is to attain Jannah. And to attain Jannah, even after you die, because it might not be enough, your sadhaka, your knowledge, and um, uh, your righteous children. If you don't have righteous children, other two, right? SubhanAllah, it was mad. He was saying, what is your legacy? And we're all sitting there saying, we don't actually have a legacy. We're not actually leaving anything behind. And this is where me working for my charity really, really came into play. My thing was, if I can help people and rejuvenate Islam in them and know that Allah, let them know Allah is there for them. Like they're not, they're not killing themselves or they're not hurting themselves or they're not going through into bigger depression or they're in a process of healing, then I've done my bit. And if they can have kids from that and whatever, all this stuff, that's where it all came from. That's where my um, thought process of um, leaving a legacy. So I always say to people, what is your legacy? What is it that you want to achieve? Do you have you left the dunya better than you've come into? Like, have you, have you, is it any better? Obviously things get worse and stuff like that. But in terms of your life, in terms of your family, have you done anything that enhanced, enhanced them? That's one I can say, like, just, just my brother and sisters have actually taken our family into more Islamic path. My dad has anyway, rather than being this typical um, Asian, South Asian family. So I've seen an improvement. So my dad's done his bit. Doesn't make sense. Mm. But what about us? You know what I mean? But anyway, um, so always have that ambition. Leave a legacy. Don't think about survival. So anyway, back to the point of um, you going through the operation now. Yeah, the operation um, was then the date comes. You prepare, you know. So almost like element of goodbye. I don't know what what's next. You don't know what the journey is going to be, and um, I'm assuming that was emotional, <clears> right? That was obviously. Um, as I said, the the thing that always impacts me most is the kids. The kids have, and Allah mentions it, isn't it? Allah says it that you know, 
your 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 wives, your children. You know, they're they're a fitna in the sense they're a test. They're a thing that attach your heart to the dunya. So when you've had people in the past who have gone on to sacrifice, even the Sahabas, you're talking about the sacrifice. Sometimes your heart can pull back because of what because oh, of my you know wife, my children, because they're a reminder of 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 this attachment to this world. So. And that's the human nature. That's the thing. It's a human nature. So it's not the case of you cut them off, but it's to be aware of that mm-hmm. and know that that it's going to have an impact on you um, when that time comes. So similarly, you know, for me, you know, obviously the weakest point is always going to be my children. You know, because they're so small, and I know that I've always been such a you know played such a you know important role in their life, and I've always been there. And like I said, I always wanted. To Parent different to how I was parented and just mm. thing, and so it was, you know, you know, I am then they are me were like really kind of tight in that sense. Um, that was hard, you know. That that, that of course it was hard. Um, and what was probably hard is probably it was, you know, it's hard obviously on my wife. It's, it was hard on my mom. Um, because as as a parent, you know, when you hear cancer, is what you think. You know, you same thing. You think death. And you're thinking. You know, it just seems like you know. It's, it's, you could say it almost seems like it's not. It doesn't seem kind of normal that a parent buries a child. Yeah. You know, so that feeling is. You know, I can't yeah. imagine that. No, I I, I, I remember. Um, uh, I was in hospital and um, there was two families. Um, the mom mom side was in the kitchen. The dad side was in the waiting room. And uh, I was in the kitchen, just sitting there supporting a friend of mine. And then uh, very quickly, um, I heard um, the grandfather of the child screaming and crying and saying, um, in Bengali, he said, um, we, he was supposed to bury us and we're going to be burying him. How does it work? How, how did that happen? And he is he's, he's hearing it from a man, and he was like proper king from the bottom of his heart. He goes, "He's meant to bury me tomorrow, and I'm burying him." And I was, and that was the moment I just went, "Wow!" Like I couldn't control it. I was like, I was just crying. All I can hear is like a man saying, "I." I you can imagine a woman's like, you know, they're crying, emotional and stuff like that, and etc. And it was like, and the men like, you know, just tears coming out. They don't, they don't really scream out or stuff like that. Do you get it? And when I heard that, it just broke me because I was just thinking the same thing. But it's just like, he had to say, and literally, bro, the whole kitchen erupted in tears. It just showed like how, um, you know, strong that statement was. So I can only imagine like you're saying goodbye, uh, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. Did they say um, what's the chances and stuff like that? It's not that the um, the surgery was a risky one, like it's like a fifty-fifty kind of thing, but because it's a major operation, things can very easily go wrong. Okay. Um. So obviously, maybe you know, there's always a it's, it's always there because I can't remember. It was supposed to be, I think, a six-hour op. You ended up being, I don't know, it was longer than that though. Um, <clears throat> it was longer than that. So what they do these they, they they cut you open they get the bowel out then they do all all the things then they have to reattach the bowel the small intestine large intestine together and then they have to see if that's worked but it doesn't then they have to reset put it back out there to get a, a stoma bag st- stuck on so it's not that it was um, 
a high risk surgery. Okay. But it's a big surgery. And with big surgeries, there's always a risk. So we have to look at it in, mm-hmm. in, in that perspective. Okay. So obviously anything could happen. So it wasn't the case of, yeah, but whenever you get put under, whenever your surgeries happen, you know, a complication can happen. And you see it enough times or sometimes the more simplest of something yeah, has happened. Mm. So it's that thing of, you know, you're prepared and, and your mind's already there because of the cancer. Your mind's already there of thinking, okay, cancer, death and all those things. And so you're going to be prepared for it. Um, and then, um, let's see, so going to surgery, let's see, you're going alone, isn't it? And, and just reminds you, like, you know, your family, everyone's there and they've left in the waiting room, but you're going alone. Same thing, when you die, you go alone, isn't it? It's, it's just that thought of, okay, there's no one there to hold you, no one there to kind of usher you in. So that's it, once I'm inside, um, I was fortunate enough to be kind of early, the first one, one of the first ones on the list for surgery that day. Um, and that's it, then... then before I went into surgery, they kind of um, they had to give like a epidural, you know, to numb the down below. God, man, that was difficult. <laughs> you know, I've got a high pain threshold. I can tolerate pain quite a lot. So this guy's going in and he's getting his needle and he's he's getting me to bend forward and he's pressing between the, the the bits of the spine, trying to find the right spot. And he puts the needle in, and he's not hitting it because he don't want to hit a nerve or whatever it is, you know. So then he worked and he had to pull it out and he put it. In and done it a couple of times. I was like, it's painful, bro. it's painful. But then he put it in at the end. But I realized afterwards they must have mashed up because since after the op, my back's mashed absolutely mashed. And I know a lot of people, um, women who have epidurals as well, they have back chronic back pains after. Um, so that happened, went into surgery. And obviously, for me, that's it go in, go into the hall. That's it. They put the you know, they 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 start putting you to sleep. There's talking to you, that's it, you're gone. And, Obviously, I don't remember anything else. For me, the next thing I just remember was suddenly I'm waking up, I'm drowsy, and then all I can I'm just sitting there, and you know, it's, it's such a strange thing when you're coming out of. Obviously, those are operations when no, you know, when you're coming out of your anesthesia, and it's just groggy, and then I can just about blurry see and nurse someone sitting there, and all I'm I couldn't even talk much, but I was in pain. All I kept on saying was pain, pain. You know, that's all I kept on saying. It was like it's painful. And then after a while, I can see they're doing something. And then I think as I was coming a bit more out of sleep, um, then what happened was, um, uh, I think, I'm assuming, <coughs> while I was in surgery, because it's also to do with the bowels as well, I must have messed myself or something. Mm. Yeah. Because the next thing I know, they're turning me over, trying to clean and move stuff. And I was like, Please stop! Why are you doing this to me? I was, it's excruciating pain. I'm like, why are you? I, I'm saying this. You're groggy. It's probably I don't know. Probably sound like a drunk or something. I don't know because you're drugged up. And he's just like, oh, why are you doing this to me? Please stop! And obviously, they did all of that, and then it was just like so much. Just it's just pain. It's so painful. Um, and then um, afterwards, they gave that like the the morphine in, in your hand. It gives a little clicking thing where it gives you a little shot of morphine and. Then you can't click it anymore. It resets, I think, every two minutes or something like that. Then you can do another shot. So it's self-pain medication, you know, regulating your own pain. And then after I was transferred, and it's just like so many times I close my eyes, I'm waking up, like things are moving. Next thing I knew, I'm somewhere else. And uh, and then I'm there, and then I'm waking, and I woke up, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't know where I am. And then it's funny, one of the first people that I managed to see um, was um, you know uh, brother Mamun? Yeah, yeah. So you know because he works in the hospital. Subhanallah. And he was there, and then he came and he saw me. I spoke to him, and then you know I saw him. He's the first person I saw, and then 
at the time, you know what was happening was I was asking what time was basically what it was was I was trying to, I knew what the time for salah was. I was like, okay, then I was so concerned. It's like, how do I pray? You know, I said to him like, I, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Like, I actually didn't think of this before. How do I pray? Because while what's happening is, well, I know it's a time to pray. I don't have wudu, and on top of that, I'm falling asleep. I'm waking up. It's another salah time. Is that like, what? No. I'm Surely yeah. you're excused, no? Yeah, and so then what happened was actually Mamun went and uh, he asked with um, Shadduk Ayyum and then came back and then basically what he said at that time was that, look, um, obviously because I can't make wudu, it's not, I can't even do tayammum, I can't move. Um, so basically you do your salah, yeah, as you are. And I said there was another problem though, is when I start the salah, I fall asleep. Because you're in and you just literally, I'm sorry, so I don't know where I am. I wake up, next thing I know, it's another time for salah or something. So, what's happening? So, he said, Look, do your salah. Um, and basically, if you fall asleep, then you wake up another salah time. Don't worry, that's finished. Do your next salah. And it was basically, he was saying, This was because your condition is obviously very unique kind mm. of in that situation. But, you know, um, that was, you know, that was my thought, first thought. It's like, Okay, what was salah? What do I do about the salah? Because and I was just thinking oh, I should have worked this out before. I never knew that this is what I'll be in because I never experienced something. I want to know, okay, what's the next step? Then Alhamdulillah, you know, after that, I had my phone was there. And then um, the other person that I saw was, um, I didn't realize how many hours had gone. And my brother's friend is a doctor who's in the hospital. He he found me. And after he spoke to me and then he was just giving me some advice. And, you know, I'm groggy and stuff. And then afterwards, he told my brother, oh, oh, don't worry, he's okay. Because then I realized afterwards, the surgery had taken hours more than it's supposed to. The hospital won't communicate with the family and everyone's worried what's going on, you know. Why is it taking this long? It shouldn't be this long. Um, and eventually, obviously, that thing's wrong, but then I saw my brother came, um, my mom and, and my wife came. And um, obviously, you know, my mom was obviously emotional, but she it was just her relief to see that I'm here, I'm awake. You know, it's just... When she sees it with her own eyes, there was a relief in that. And I didn't realize that day, obviously, I'm, well, afterwards, the whole day, she didn't eat, she didn't drink. She, you know, she was basically, and she's diabetic, she got blood pressure and all other kind of things. So there's this toll on, obviously, on parents. And, um, so it was hard for her. She got relief when she saw, okay, that whatever it is, I'm awake and, you know, at least I'm out of surgery. <coughs> uh, and then, um, yeah, th then obviously, um, some of the brothers came uh, and uh, saw me. And it was just, yeah, I was there. And I realized I was in, kept in the high dependency unit, HDU. And what it was, was at that time, my blood pressure was through the roof. My heart rate's like really high and it's not coming down. And normally it's expected to be high because of that, but it's higher than that. Um, so I was kept there for a few days. And eventually they did run a load of tests and stuff. Um, and it's interesting because when I was there, I remember there's one nurse, yeah, and you look back, she's sure, she Muslim, she's probably Italian, I think, she had some sort of accent. But, you know, when people, you're, you're in a position, remember, I can't be lying just in bed for days. So, you're not clean and so many other things. And then basically, it's time for me to kind of also get, she's trying to help me to get up and make some movement because that's, that's important. Prevents blood clots and other things. And she, uh, she came and, it's like, you know, the way they treat you. Some people treat you really bad and rough. Mm. Some people treat you, and, and at that time, it's like, almost from your heart, it's like almost you're making dua, like, I'm like, I turn. Because she she did, like, 
she really like she she helped to clean and there's no one else there no no one's actually even allowed really and she 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 cleaned she helped things she she wiped it. she goes oh do you want me to brush your teeth for you I said no don't worry don't worry. I can brush my teeth I got that movement at least anywhere else's thing but she it's just like what she did for me I still remember because it was like you know. I can't, even, I can't even explain you, that. It's like you are it's an angel sent. It is. It felt like that, and she was a Muslim. But that's why we to Allah gives a hidayah, and you know. But you know, she really did you know care. You know, there's a, there's a compassion in where you do things, mm. and and that's why you know. You know, sometimes I've had bad, bad experiences with medical professionals. They don't have that compassion. They lose that. It almost becomes robotic. But when you're a patient, you're a human being. You need compassion. You know, and that's what you're looking for at that time. But after that, I was then taken up to one of the wards after a while. Um, you know, Alhamdulillah, brothers came and so on. And, you know, uh, you know, that's important, right? It's, it is important. Brothers you know, going and see, even even like uh, people going to see the sick in the hospital. It's a sunnah, no? Yes, it is. It's, it's actually a right, a right, one of the rights of or that a brother has over you. Okay, a has over you is that when they are sick, you visit them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they pass away, you go to the janazah. When they give salam, you reply the salam. When they sneeze, you say you reply to the sneeze. You know, mm-hmm. um, so uh, and when they invite you, so there's five. Sometimes they say four, and the other ones five. Yeah, they invite you, you you accept the invitation. These are these are these are what you're expected that you and you're supposed to do. You know, at that time, my wife was like, "Oh no, you you, you can't have visitors. It's, it's too hard." But I had my phone, and you know, so obviously, so many different <laughs> brothers in contact. You know, and some brothers who I've not had relations for years, they found out they came, and you know th- that means something. You know, at that time, it has that. It shows that you know. You know that you're there, and you know it was having some of the brothers around, the close brothers that came around. It was nice, you know. When they came, just had a laugh, and you know it was. It you wasn't, just forget about yeah, it. Yeah, because and that's what it is. You, you know mm. what I what I hated through the whole journey is people pitying you. Mm. You know they're coming. They saying like, "There's one person I remember. It's like some, you know, Bengali like Imam and some relative of someone else. Like he came in, he just looked at me. He's like, "Ya Allah, Ya Allah," you know. I'm like, okay, right, I'm not dying, mate. You know, I'm still alive here. <laughs> I'm not even died. But, you know, like, uh, I feel like at that time, what you need is just some normality. You know, yeah, I'm ill. You know I'm ill. You know I'm sick. Yeah, but, you know, doing, okay, you ask how things go. How did this go? It's all right, all good. Do you need anything, whatever? And then the brothers were just there joking and laughing. <laughs> the worst part is they're cracking jokes. I can't laugh. I'm in pain if I laugh. It's all cut up here. And it's just like, oh, it's so uh, painful. But it was it was just nice just to have them around because it's important. also for your own mental health and been in hospital for days, you know, you need to have some sort of engagement and some normality in that sense. So Alhamdulillah, it's really important that you do, you go out and you visit them because it has a massive impact. You know, you don't even have to know what it is, just go there and just have a chat or something else even. Mm-hmm. Just just that social interaction is really important. And we see so many people who are just lonely. So many people look across in the other, other, other beds and seeing that no one's coming to see them. You know, it has, you know, it's, it's, it's quite... Um, Sad that they've got no one, and you know, Alhamdulillah, you know, it's just good that we have companionship. It's good that we do have obviously family and uh, and, yeah. and, and and others as well that are there. It's a good time to make amends. Yeah, like uh, I'm just conscious of the time, and I'm just also um, very going deep into, and I, I can just imagine the whole scenario. It's like a movie, um, but I don't. I want to use this time. That we have remaining for you to tell us about warning signs about uh, making sure that we are always on top of our health 
um, even mental health, mm-hmm. um, like just be mindful of will, be mindful of, you know, your assets that, you know, someone knows about this stuff um, and, you know, passwords and, you know, even social media, if anything was to happen to you, then what happens to all of that stuff? And, you know, like these are the things that I would really like you to spend good five, 10 minutes mm-hmm. if you can True. just to go through this, because at the end of the day, like I haven't been in this scenario to some excess, but you have, and you clearly thought of this stuff. Mm. Um, and then it'd be good for me mm. and the brothers and sisters out there to actually be mindful of this and make it a priority to mm. have in us um, in our day to day, inshallah. Inshallah. Obviously, just to add, obviously, the thing with the surgery I had was surgery happened and I was supposed to get discharged. I got that infection in one of the wounds that cut it open again. Then I was discharged like that. It was just agony, absolutely. It was just very, very painful. I just, it was, it was hard. Then, alhamdulillah, after that had finished, it took a while. I had to run a few more tests before. Then I had to do chemotherapy. I did eight rounds of chemotherapy, lasted six months. That's why um, and the hardest point was uh, the third round of chemo because the first round I did it, I was like, okay, I can take it. Maybe I'm young, you know, I've got the energy still. Maybe I take second round, I'm like, okay, maybe it's all right. Third round came in, it was like the 12th round of a boxing match with like Mike Tyson. You're like, Pfft. yeah, you're dead practically. Uh, I f- it was hard and it was difficult. And I realized, you know, throughout the whole time, Remember my wife's pregnant She's getting harder and harder for her And she's struggling And I remember You know what happened during that time I could And those who have got cancer Those who experienced it Had chemo and stuff They would know But it's hard to get up in the morning Why three? Is that normal? Is that something that's well, I don't know why the third round It's just It's building up The third round It hit me The third cycle of, of chemo Yeah I don't know Some people hit some straight away It's just probably Just to do with the body But it's just It was a knockout Because I don't know what it was, and and but the point was, I was, I just couldn't get up in the morning. I, I I should be sleeping. I should be resting. I couldn't get up. But I looked at my wife, and she's struggling. Man. Six baby, she's got. It's hard, hard on her. And so I looked at her, and I thought she's worse than me. So every morning I used to get up, get ready, take the kids to school, mm. come back, and I did that thing. I look back at it, and think, Subhanallah, it was such a blessing. I had that Because you know what it is They tell you When you're having chemo And stuff like that It's like get up in the morning Get dressed Doesn't matter if you're going out or not Get dressed Because what happens is It's to do the mental health Because mm, what happens is If you stay in your PJs all day It just wears you out And I realised You know something Alhamdulillah I had a routine My kids kept me going I had to be busy with the kids Doing all of these things It kept me going And it's, it's a massive impact And that's, what, that's the bit About the mental health That I would touch upon Which is it's really important because sometimes when you go through these difficult, if, if you're going through these illnesses and, and, and I know people who are still suffering right now, is having routines, mm-hmm. getting changed, getting ready, creating that. But at the same time, I don't have to be so stringent. Obviously, be flexible because I know the health, sometimes you just can't. You've got, I've got to sleep. I've got to knock out. I was just sleeping and sleeping and it was just so tiring. It was just exhausting, nauseating, feeling sick and other things. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's not easy. Um, and obviously people's reaction to chemo is always different. Some people have it much worse because they tell you you can have all of these symptoms. You can have some, you can even have none. Not none, but you know, you can have some, usually very little. You can have quite a few or you can have a lot, all of them. 
So it's, it's all different. Everybody's body is made up in different ways and mm-hmm. how they react to it. So it has an impact. Alhamdulillah, after that finish, you know, I'm in remission. And I think, uh, where are we now? I'm just just over four years. Come next July, be five years and in remission. So Alhamdulillah, it's, you know, I get regular checkups and it's there. But that journey, you know, like I said, there was a lot of benefit in that. And Alhamdulillah, the last bit I was going to say was, um, as, you know, with each round of chemo, you have some, you know, time to kind of recover, come off, and then you have another round. And it was during that break period when my of the of the seventh round of chemo when my son was born. Yeah, so it was good it was happening at that time because well I was happy if I'm on chemo at the time she's gonna knock me out when I'm a bit more stronger. Yeah, it was better. Um he was born then so then I had one last round. So it was right towards the end Alhamdulillah it came and by that time you're kinda of there. And on the third round when I had chemo, I wanted to give up. I, I told mm. I wanted to give up. I said I can't do this anymore. What did you name your son? He was Ubaid. Ubaid. I yeah. thought you would have related something no, no, he was, he was actually, my brother came with the night, he liked that name. And by that time, I also had, I've tried to go through the, all the kids with unique names or something uncommon and something all deep with this meaning. Come on, after you got five, you're struggling with someone <laughs> to come. So Ubaid is more of a common name. Oh. So he's, he's quite a bit different in comparison to the others, but Alhamdulillah, he suits, uh, yeah. he's, he's, he's good. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Like, uh, I, I, I would think more on the lines of, like, you know, I'm a bit cringy like that. Like sabr or something. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you. <laughs> but alhamdulillah, is <laughs> now I know what's gonna happen if it goes down with you. Yeah, yeah, mashallah. Uh, but alhamdulillah, like I said, I, and also those things really did help. Now the thing that you you're asking about, touching upon, and I think we've already touched upon it, and it's really important. I think the first thing, I, and I said it to another brother. I said that um, the one brother I remember he said he's having bowel issues, and the doctors always say to give a sample, but he can't give a sample because. Naginna, like he can't just can't look down below, you know, in 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 the toilet bowl. Some people have a different thing that to scoop it up. It's not, you know, it's, or, or to take a sample of it. But what I've always said, I said, you know something, you know, take your health seriously. I said, I, I always say that, which is, you know, if something's wrong, get it checked out. No, I, I always say that because not that something's wrong, but it's always better to be, you know, safe than, than sorry. And I would always say, if you don't do something, it's 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 quite negligent, you know. And mm. I would say that. I was negligent. Yeah, okay. You know, and especially when you're a father, especially if you're a mother, especially if you've got responsibilities, then, Food. you know, it's really important. Food, sleep. Yeah. So then, without doubt, linked to all of those things with health, it is important what you're putting inside you. Mm-hmm. Without doubt. What's going inside you has a massive impact. And I'm seeing, I don't know, it just seems so common, cancer now. I keep hearing, oh, I've got cancer. He's got cancer. I mean, it just feels like you're getting like the flu now. So there's naturally there must be something within the food that we're having. Without doubt, it is not tayyib. You know, the, and talking about the food should be halal and tayyib. Okay. Yeah? So halal is in the process is clear, but tayyib is the is the wholesomeness of the food. Now we know in today, like foods have got like you know vegetables and stuff that got GM and they, you know genetically modified and they've got fertilizer, you know what's it called pesticides and all that. They added chemicals to even what would be normal. That's why organic, the organic stuff. You look at the, the meat that you're eating. Where is it coming from? Is the chickens in the cage? Uh, what they're eating? They eating offal. You know, some of the animals are eating their own like meat of other animals and stuff. So you have to look at it like how is it goes even in the halal industry. How really tayyib is the food that you're getting? But is um, it not harder to do 
maintain all that. No, I'm just saying with the world population, no, what, with the demand. Yeah, what I'm saying is not that. Look, I'm, I'm not saying. I'm just saying that the impact of the food that we're putting in mm. is because of the. I feel it's a lack of tayyib food out there. So it doesn't mean now. Okay, we. No, I'm just saying don't eat anything else. I'm just giving you that this is the way where we're living. So it becomes more important that we're more mindful of the balance in our diet and the food that we are putting mm-hmm. in because obviously um, of, of those things. So it's just to be uh, the mindfulness of that is what I'm, what I'm referring to um, because I don't think it's really hard because I've looked into it now. There are places where you do proper organic and the meat is proper organic. You know, they're re- you know the way they've been raised has been free animals and you know all of those things. And you see it. That's why you look back and think, okay, why did, they, did these things ever exist in the time of the Prophet? If you look at their lifestyle, it was what their, their animals were. There was no pollutions. There was no <laughs> Wi-Fi and electronic things. There was no uh, you know kind of caged animals and there was no none of these kind of pesticides and whatever. It's all very natural. So I'm sure that's having an impact on on the food that we're consuming. And so especially talking about other stuff as well, processed foods and whatnot. Um, and you know, so so this is important. Look, any issues, check it out. Get it checked out. There's no harm in doing it. I know, especially for men, men don't. I said just do. I've, and now I've got to a point where anything happens, I have to. I do check it out because you don't know what it could be more. And you know, if you get the reason I'm saying, if you get checked out and it is something serious, it's about getting it early. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that's that, that's important because, like I said, you don't want to be uh, negligent in, in that regard. And you know, you have a duty, responsibility to look after your body. You have duties and responsibility towards your family and all of those things, and they come from you know, you know looking after yourself as well. So you know th- those things. Like I said, I sound very hypocritical talking about health, man. It seems so odd. No, no, <laughs> yeah. keep going, keep going, but, keep going. Um, because at the end of the day, bro. Yeah. So, so those those things are really important, uh, and that's that's one of the key messages I would say. Wherever you are, do those things. The other thing that linked to that is about mental health, and it's really important to talk. Yeah. And I think with men, you know, I know people don't talk and share. Um, women might be more easy to share and talk. Some um, women don't, man. Some don't. It's always true. Some don't. Some mm. men are very also easy to talk as well. So, mm. you know, there is. But general norm, I tend to see the patterns that women are find it easier to yeah. talk than men do. Um, so it is that thing of talking and sharing because, you know, sometimes, you know, taking on the chin and just, just riding with it, it's heavy. It's, it's, it's heavy on you. It's, it's heavy, and you can find somebody, at least a person that you can confide in, that you can talk to. Dre is sometimes, and, and I've realized over time that you don't always need somebody to tell you anything or give you an answer. Sometimes you just need a person to sit there and be almost like a sounding board, just for you to express and talk. That's why there's something called talking therapy, you know. And I and I'm not just that. I, I, it's interesting enough, even with some of the parents I speak to of the issues they come and i listen i have to and one of the things i will listen out what they have to say and then you know we'll make ask questions and then look at okay these are maybe some things that you could possibly do and then when they said you know something? sometimes the advice given it's not even that important they said you know something it's just a relief to talk you know, just to get it off my chest you know a problem shared is a problem halved you know as the saying goes mm. but it's really important that you know try and talk with that that's important it has an impact on the mental health flip side like i said the other key lesson i would say is those of us who know people who are suffering and going through hardships whether it's health or other related hardships be there for them mm. those who are sick visit them and it's really important because it creates a community it's a support not to feel alone this this really has a impact because some people massive feel impact bro massive 
it's benefits and people just don't understand the um the the value of it it's mm. crazy bro man people just don't know yeah, people are so fixated with their day to day it's individualism you know us. do you know what i really get annoyed and angry about and i make it, i make this very quick yeah it's those that go it's not my problem or i don't know how to react or they don't come to help but only when he falls the sh- the sugar hits the fan that's when they call out for you and i know that this is ver- sounds very like you're not doing it for a favor do you know what i mean you're not doing this or you're not helping someone because you know you want to benefit something out of it or anything like that you just do it anyway but it's just why isn't it that at that particular moment like you can't be there for someone like you you hide do you know what i mean like i've had instances like that you know when i went for my divorce and i was like thinking where is my friends I, alhamdulillah i had a handful of friends do you get it like that were really there from start to end um i've had new friends and um but it's just for me it was just like where are you and the only when i got stronger i see these friends come back and then you know, they had the excuses or whatever etc yeah um and then it was just that one case when one of my friends came and told me that he's going through the same thing and i was like i, I had it in me to say that where were you when i needed you to get it but you saw everything you heard about everything where were you but i still even though it's in my heart i didn't say it. what i did was i was just like tell me how can i help you and he did alhamdulillah like he is in a better position and i was like you know what maybe it's just he made a mistake and you know all these people that i've helped like many cases i've helped alhamdulillah yeah it's amazing brother i hear them helping others Shum. others are coming to them saying and you know I, 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 i chill with one of them and people constantly calling him saying oh this is what's happening i need to help blah 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 and i go to him bro you need to stop giving advice the only difference between me and you i don't give advice i listen observe and i try to improve them you actually giving advice you shouldn't give advice bro you're not here to adv- give advice you could potentially destroy someone's marriage don't give advice and he goes oh sugar never thought of it like that i said you never give advice anyway moving on bro yeah but alhamdulillah bro it's so important that people are there for you yeah allah in the process i mentioned it you know that, um you know if you help a believer uh helping the believer who's in distress or in hardship if you if you ease a believer's hardship allah will remove a hardship from you on the day of judgment subhanallah so it's just because the our religion is 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 of community is of ummah is of being there for one another you know it's a collective religion it's not an individualistic religion yeah. um and so that's why it's really important you look for everything to our rights you have to visit the sick you should is it that your the brother has a right over you or you're being there for them and, and so forth So you know it shows that this is what it's about it's about collective even our worship our salah you know jamaah you know you look at these things are collective the actions mm. are collective so it's it's we should be there for that and we shouldn't fall into the traps of the society they have of promoting individualism and just me myself and I you know that's not how 
it works and it's not my problem and those kind of things. Really, it should be the case of how can I be a service? Yeah, that, that's what it should be. What can I do? You know, um, and you know that's why I said that. You know, be there for people. And sometimes, like I said, you might think I don't know what to say. Don't worry, just just go there, talk about anything. Mm. Sometimes, like I said, I really like the fact that I had brothers around. They just not really focus on me. It was just, in the beginning, they said like you know how things you know just just to get over the, the fuel because obviously naturally you're gonna ask that. But then after that, it's just talking about other things, joking, laughing, and just just you know just relaxing because that, that's that's so important even for that the mental health of the patient in that sense. So it's important talk, and the other for the other side support visit and and, and support um, your brother your sister um, um, do that be there for them. And um, the other thing that I would say obviously one thing I did learn that reshaped how my family dynamics were were ensuring that you know sometimes it may be the case and it was for me and I, and I realized I didn't realize I was doing like exactly my dad did which was. He took care of everything. It wasn't nothing malicious or evil. It just, I was just, I just naturally just took care of everything. My wife just, you know, dealt with you know the other bits that she was dealing with in the home. Be careful what you say, bro. <coughs> yeah, she was dealing with the other bits that she was that, dealing with. Okay, at home. that's good. That's what I said. Yeah. No, no, I'm just saying, just yeah. because you know, you're saying I was dealing with everything. She didn't do nothing. No, no, <laughs> like, I, didn't say she did. like, I was dealing with meaning those outside things that I'm talking about. So whether it's dealing with the bills and the income coming yeah, in, yeah, 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 uh, dealing with any issues, anything, whether whether it be legal, the usual the things that guys think that they should be in charge of. Yeah, so it's just the, yeah. it just somehow fell that way. So everything it was done with, and even the accounts and, and, and subscriptions and all of those kind of things. It was just. Just, just done like yeah. that. It just happened, and then afterwards, obviously, re- everything's realigned. Now, what I, I did do even before that, the cancer well, before I went in, is I actually had like a whole, and, I, and I've got that, and so I've got like a file. I, I'm very organized about how I am. Like everything's filed. It's like in the cabinet. You have all the documents. You'll find very easily. You'll find it's not a problem, um, and everything's filed away properly, so anybody can find it if I was ever passed away. And something I hear it from my dad. My dad said the same thing. He had everything filed up nicely. It's just a trait, I guess, that he just picked up. Um, but anybody, you can find anything. And then I have even like a paper which has all of the stuff. That, you know, this is how you access this. This is how you access that. Almost like a, a guide of what, what what I need to do. What I need to do. Okay, I've got these contracts. They end the, on these dates. Okay, you can cancel this one because on all of the, you know whatever it is, it's just there because then if anything does happen. It's just it's ready, and I tell you, it's there. To be honest, you don't even look at it now. It's just a case of only ever ever did happen. You know, it's there. Yeah, it's, it's not going. And then obviously, there's more things that she's got involved with in the home in terms of understanding, you know, managing of the home finances overall and all of those kind of things, and you know, re- reassign different things like you know, um, in the way we did things. So I think it's, it's just really important that you you think yeah. those things through. Now, I you know. Don't like, you think that uh, couples should have this now? Um, a conversation like you know our brothers and sisters watching this now, they should have this conversation. Yeah, they should have regardless. this conversation, irrespective R- of not waiting death for or something no death. to happen. But even like having wills, wills are important because you don't know when you're gonna die. The truth of it is, is, we don't know when we're gonna die. Yeah, and we shouldn't, and we should, you know, be you know while we're alive and knowing how complex the world is now with all these things that we have. Before when you died, probably simple. We had nothing. You didn't even have a bank account. Probably you didn't have nothing. You know, it's just very straightforward. Still, you had a will because you may have properties and whatnot or assets, better to say. Um, so now it's obviously because more so important that you do those things um, and you get those things ready. The will is really important that we do have a will, you know, um, because like I said, you could die anytime, anytime. 
irrespective of anything that's life-threatening or not. And so it's important you have those things there. Otherwise, in this country, they mentioned that you automatically fall into the way they way divide up the assets in this country, and that's against Sharia and inheritance, inheritance, yeah, all of those things. So you need to get it right because otherwise, it's all going to get you know, foul. And then afterwards, there's been people who've not done things properly as well in, the, in inheritance, and then that's causing fights within family members. <laughs> it's just a whole pickle, and you stick with what the sharia has has mandated and you follow that through this is this is always the best um option so is that something that we need to discuss wills yeah wills inheritance and dividing things and yeah, you know family fighting mortgages um stuff like that we need yeah, to discuss all, all around those things are different it's a yeah. topic of discussion so they become important getting those things in order uh, and making sure that the family is in in, in the right state I think that's that's a important thing. And there'll be the kind of five things that I'll mention, like in terms of uh, like advice and in around health and obviously other things that can come. You know, um, I know I've, I did one thing, you know, um, before my surgery as well, because again, you don't know what the outcome was. It's actually, a, um, I wrote letters to all of my kids and I had them and they're kept in the safe. Um, and it was a case of if anything happened, then, Letters are there. That's cute. Yeah. And if you know, if not, Alhamdulillah, now they're there. They've never, never seen it, but it's, it's still there. I still kept them. Yeah. Um, is that thing? But you know, for me, it was that thing of look. If I'm, if if my daddy passed away, then you know, it's just what advice would I give my children in those different situations? Mm. You know? um, that's and, that's uh, that's heartbreaking, man. Yeah. So yeah, you're thinking uh, ahead. Uh, and I, I do look at all the different challenges, every little, little different milestones in their life to, to kind of just what would you advise them? And I wanted to do a letter. I couldn't do the recording. But I wanted to do a letter because I felt that something's a bit more physical, tangible. Mm. You know, so, you know, alhamdulillah, you know, never needed it now. But it might be something in the future that, you know. Uh, but it's just, it's, there are things to think about, you know. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to go too green but thinking about that. But <laughs> stop. It's yes, just, just stop, man. <laughs> so, alhamdulillah, you know, um, again, you know, I have to just reiterate that point, you know, with health is, especially with brothers, if there's any issue, just check it out. Just, just, just check it out. You won't lose anything. Um, you can only gain something in the sense of uh, looking after your yourself, um, especially when you have responsibilities. And that's always been my key, key message. Um, I'm saying, look, I'm saying, look after yourself. And I've got this big fat belly here. But, you know, that's why I said, I don't like too much generally on the health side, but I was like talking about, being health aware of of what's going on with your body and that becomes really important. Alhamdulillah, I think, like I said, it's not been a very light session, uh, our session number ten. But um, you know, I think there's so many discussions. There are some other ones that are a bit more deep and serious to be had still. Um, but it's good to have those conversations. Uh, inshallah. Um, so with that, we'll conclude today's session. Um, don't forget, please do subscribe to our Patreon. Help us continue to make more content. You know, um, it's difficult. <laughs> so we do need your support. So please do support. The The details are in the description of the video. So please do subscribe. And don't forget, subscribe to the channel. Uh, like the video. Share and, and comment as well. Inshallah. You know, I would like to hear comments. You know, maybe a lot of you may be going through your own personal health issues and other health issues. Please do share. You know, maybe in your comments, you may benefit somebody else. You may help them and through that you may ease some of their hardships as well. So please do share inshallah. With that inshallah we'll conclude. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
Du 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 du